You're listening to a news story on the audio version of The Taiyi. Thanks for listening. The Taiyi is a nonprofit newsroom that is funded by our audience. So, if you appreciate this article and you'd like to help us do more, head on over to support.thetaiyi.ca and become a Taiyi builder. You choose the amount to give, and you can cancel any time. After an identity theft nightmare, a search for answers. By Michelle Gamage, July 28, 2023. Jose grew up playing hockey, volunteering, teaching skating, and having a self-described pretty normal childhood in East Vancouver. His family immigrated to Canada from Venezuela when he was eight, but he says even that didn't make him stand out much, lots of kids in his school had similar stories. But Jose's sense of normalcy changed 16 years later when someone he went to high school with stole his identity, using it in interactions with hospitals and transit police. It had dire physical, emotional, social and financial impacts on his life. The identity theft has had ongoing consequences for Jose, who is still undoing the damage. For him, it raises questions about how healthcare and police identify people of color, and how authorities can refine their policies to ensure that Vancouverites who don't have identification can still access medical care when needed, but not at the expense of people like him. When the man who stole Jose's identity landed in the hospital, he provided two of Jose's four names, alongside his own childhood address, to paramedics and later hospital staff. Though the address he gave didn't match the one associated with Jose's record, the man was admitted to hospital as Jose. Jose says it's possible racism played into this mistake, because he and the man who stole his identity are both Latin American. The Taiyi has agreed to only share Jose's first name due to concerns that he or his family could face social or economic repercussions for speaking to the media. With his permission, the Taiyi reviewed Jose's government-issued ID, medical records, police records and a dozen emails with officials related to these events. The Taiyi will refer to the man who used Jose's identity by the pseudonym John Doe. The Taiyi was not able to contact John Doe or his family for this article. Since 2017 Doe has accessed healthcare using Jose's identity at least seven times, five times in Vancouver and three times in Maple Ridge. Doe also accessed emergency care after a toxic drug poisoning. He has also claimed to be Jose when he was caught riding transit without a fare, racking up tickets in Jose's name. There are a lot of reasons someone might not want to use their own name when dealing with police and hospitals, says Tyson Singh Kelsall, a downtown Eastside social worker and PhD candidate at Simon Fraser University. A person's health record can get flagged if a patient is known to use drugs or be aggressive or violent towards healthcare workers, Singh Kelsall says. If a patient thinks they'll face discrimination, they may use another name to reduce the stigma against them and access better care. It's possible Doe lost his ID and didn't think he'd be able to access care under his own name, he says. Singh Kelsall says it's difficult to keep track of identification when you're struggling with housing. Once you lose your ID, it's tricky to get it back. Generally, the government requires ID to prove who you are so you can get a replacement ID, he says. If you were born in Canada, this process can take months, and if you were born internationally, it can take years. There's a lot riding on ID, Singh Kelsall adds. It's required to access health care, 
for income assistance programming, even to access the Greater Vancouver Food Bank. Jose's own interaction with police. Jose learned about the identity theft after he had an encounter with police that left him severely physically and mentally traumatized. As a young adult, Jose was employed in fine dining in Vancouver, working as a bartender, manager, and server over a decade, modeling for Lululemon and living in a gentrified part of Chinatown. His life was busy, but he coped with the stress by doing yoga. On July 11, 2017, at 24 years old, all that changed. Jose says he doesn't remember what happened that night because of a concussion. But he does have a handful of documents from the incident, which he says leaves him with more questions than answers. The police incident report, which he showed to the Thai, says police found Jose's car parked four blocks from his home and suspected it might have been stolen by a drunk driver. When police ran the plates, they identified Jose as the car's owner. They then saw a man, Jose, walking down the alley towards the car and assumed he had been driving the car, which had been left unlocked. Jose says he could have been trying to meet his friend, who lived beside where the car was parked. In the report, police say Jose inexplicitly threw himself onto the hood of the parked police car and, when officers pulled him off, his face hit the ground. He was then handcuffed by three police. The police report says police spoke with Jose to determine how injured he was. The report identifies Jose as both the injured man and the car's owner, but doesn't say when exactly police realized that Jose was in fact the car's owner, and not someone attempting to steal the car. Singh Kelsall says this is a scary example of what happens once you get profiled as using drugs or regularly interacting with police. Doe had several transit tickets under Jose's name by this time. You get coded as a drug user and your face gets smashed in. That's par for the course for the downtown east side, Singh Kelsall says, noting the neighborhood has a high rate of police violence. Jose says his wallet didn't make it to the hospital. Instead, it arrived in the mail a week later with a note that someone had placed his wallet in a Canada post box. His phone disappeared. Jose says he woke up at the hospital confused, in pain and with a face full of gauze. The only thing he remembered was a flash of light and the feeling of handcuffs on his wrists. His Vancouver General Hospital emergency room record, which he shared with the Thai, says he was suspected of stealing a car-slash-resisting arrest, that he had his face smashed during an altercation and that he had OD'd on heroin in the past. It also noted that the patient wants to call his mother. The only part of the report that's true is that he wanted to call his parents, Jose says. Jose says hospital staff acted very hostile towards him, refusing to tell him what had happened or where his phone or wallet were. He says hospital staff were likely concerned by what they read on his chart, but notes the police had cleared him of any wrongdoing before the ambulance was called, according to their own report. Jose left the hospital against medical advice and asked a cab driver to take him to his parents' house in Coquitlam. His parents then took him to Eagle Ridge Hospital where he was treated for a nose and jaw fracture, three missing teeth, a broken tooth, cuts to his lips and a jaw that had been knocked out of place. Doctors wired his jaw shut. Discovering the identity theft 
Jose moved back in with his parents while he recovered. That's when the hospital bills and transit police tickets started arriving. Though the bills were addressed to him, they were for ambulance rides he'd never taken and fares he'd never evaded. Jose realized his identity had been stolen. Someone else was claiming to be him, accessing medical care under his personal health number and interacting with police across the Lower Mainland. His family filed freedom of information requests with several government agencies to find all documents related to Jose's name. The earliest document they found was an ambulance report from April 2017 where the name and address Doe provided didn't match. When he looked up the address, Jose discovered it was where Doe used to live when they were both in high school together. Doe had even invited Jose to have dinner with his family there. Jose says he and Doe had been close in early high school and played sports together. They drifted apart after grade 11 and didn't maintain contact. In 2016, Jose spotted Doe, who he says appeared to be using drugs and living on the street in Chinatown. He contacted Doe's sister through Facebook and learned he had been using drugs. A year later, Doe told paramedics he was Jose for the first time. Medical record mishaps. In January 2018, Jose contacted various health authorities, letting them know his identity had been stolen. He says they separated his medical record from Doe's medical record, putting Doe under an unnamed profile. I had to trust they were doing everything that they could, that they had a playbook and did a thorough job, he says. But his record wasn't fully cleared. Electronic medical records can be accessed by several different government entities beyond a single hospital. This meant that Jose's family doctor unknowingly had an outdated version of the record. That came up when Jose applied for an unrelated WorkSafeBC claim in 2022. The claim was rejected, and Jose suspects the decision was related to a medical disclosure from his doctor that listed the fraudulent medical history. Providence Health Authority spokesperson Ann Gibbon says anyone who had accessed Jose's health records would have been notified of the correction and that it is up to those individuals or organizations to update their records from there. Jose says it is extremely frustrating that the onus to correct the hospital's mistakes has fallen to him. He says Doe is still accessing care under his identity and he keeps having to go back and notify hospital staff when a new incident appears on his BC Health Gateway portal. Why does the victim of the crime have to do all of this re-traumatizing work? He asks. Jose says police have flagged him as a victim of identity theft and any officer who looks him up can see pictures of him and Doe side by side to prevent Doe from claiming to be him in the future. Jose says he recently heard that his electronic health record has been similarly flagged. Looking for solutions. Providence Healthcare's patient identification policy requires asking a patient to present a government-issued photo ID and a health insurance card, according to a document shared by Providence. If a patient is unable to provide ID, the document continues, a healthcare worker can search electronic health records to see if the patient's declared name has a personal health number. If a patient's electronic health record can't be found and they can't provide ID, they may be registered using a declared name. It's possible this is how Doe accessed healthcare under Jose's name.
A Providence spokesperson said they were unable to comment on Jose or Doe's record due to patient confidentiality. So what's the best way for hospitals to help prevent identity thefts like the one that happened to Jose in the future? Singh Kelsall says requiring everyone to present identification before accessing care isn't necessarily a solution because that could deny people necessary medical care. A better way to approach it could be to reduce the barriers around accessing ID, he says, pointing to a report from this April that lists reducing barriers around ID as one way to reduce the harms caused by poverty. Jose says he hasn't been compensated for any of his medical expenses, such as getting four implants to replace the teeth he lost, or the time he couldn't work due to his injuries. Hiring a lawyer to sue for damages is outside of his budget, he says, adding lawyers told him a civil suit would cost between $50,000 to $300,000. He says he still suffers from PTSD and that he came out of the fog caused by his 2017 concussion in 2021, but still finds himself getting angry or easily frustrated really quickly. He says he'd like to see a culturally appropriate process of mediation paid for by healthcare authorities, to fix the hospital's mistake. I'd like to see a more consolidated claims process that is actually obtainable for everyday people, because clearly the courts are not the proper form for this, he says. Jose worries Doe will lose continuity of care now that his medical records have been moved to separate unnamed accounts. Jose can still see some recent visits Doe has made to the hospital under Jose's name. An equally pressing question is how his own care has been impacted over the past several years when his profile was flagged for things he never did. I don't know if it had any impact on the care I've received, Jose says. I guess I'll never know. Thanks for stopping by the Taiyi today. Anytime you're in the mood to listen to important stories written well, we'll be here. And if you'd like to keep independent media going strong, head over to the taiyi.ca and click on the support us button to pitch in. Finally, big, big thank you to all of our Taiyi builders who made this story possible.